Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning, everyone, everyone. William Hemsworth here, and hope everyone is doing well. I am having some technical difficulties, so my apologies. All right, so here we go. Hope everyone can hear me okay. All right. My computer decided to update shortly before the show went live, so somehow... Just one of those mornings. You know, it's fun when you go live and there's always some technical difficulty. It happens every once in a while, but it is what it is. Welcome to the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show here on the Four Persons Network. Um, again, Four Persons Network, doing some great things here, guys. Um, some great programming. Uh, next week here on the show, we're going to have my friend Tony Agnesi. We're going to be talking about his new book. I'm talking about to a couple other folks as well about coming on to discuss some uh, very important topics. So stay tuned for that. But everyone's having some great shows. I know um, Luke Haskell is going through the Gospel of Matthew, doing some great stuff there. We have Divine Mercy. Lisa Marie Nicole is putting up some great shows. Guys, stay tuned. The case, the case for Christmas, amazing stuff. So what we're trying to do for you guys is just give you solid Catholic content to help you grow in your faith help you defend your faith, and also help you evangelize. Now, my friends, today I want to talk about um, a Bible passage from the book of Ephesians. So we're going to talk about Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 33. Now, if you're not familiar with that section of uh, Scripture, I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. I'm going to read the whole thing. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. And it says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, my friends, I wanted to go over this passage of Scripture today because it can be very controversial. So some enemies of Christianity out there will Stop at what I read first, where it says, wives submit to your husbands. And they say, Christianity is anti-woman. But do you hear everything that I just read to you? And there are also those men out there who are very domineering. And say, so the Bible says the wife must submit. And so they're mean, they're hateful, they're doing all this. Both sides are wrong. So I want to go through this passage of scripture, we're going to break it down. 
We're going to get into the historical context. We're going to dive deep today on the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show into what this passage is truly talking about and how it could challenge us and help us grow. So here the St. Paul is, he's outlining several things to the church in Ephesus. So he's outlining several things here. And my apologies, guys, I am still having issues with my headphones here. He's outlining several things. All right, so Paul discusses where the Ephesians came from, uh, the importance of unity. Really, in this section, he's moving on into family life. This passage also includes a beautiful image of Christ as head of the church and speaks of how Christ loved the church so much that he sacrificed himself for her. St. Paul uses the model of Christ loving his church as a model of how husbands and wives should live out their faith. As Christ poured himself out for the church, husbands and wives should pour themselves out to each other in a mutual submission of love. Now, in his book, Jesus the Bridegroom, Dr. Brent Petrie says this. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul not only describes the sacrificial death of Christ for the church in terms of a husband's love for his wife, he also explicitly describes the love between Christ and the church as a great mystery. This great passage from Ephesians tells us about how spouses should love, respect, and treat each other. And in doing so, it tells us of the love that Christ has for his church and brings to mind everything he had to endure to claim us in his own. Now, to understand this book from Ephesians, we have to understand the historical context it was written. So the letter was written between 60 and 62 AD by St. Paul, and it's really not addressed in anyone specifically. There were some in the early church who speculated that this letter was the lost letter to the Laodiceans, which is referred to in Colossians 4.16. Now, to be fair, there are some similarities to the letters, but Ephesians was a general letter that discussed more than one topic. Now, it is considered one of the prison epistles because St. Paul wrote it while he was in prison. The epistle was written to the church in Ephesus to give them instruction on doctrine and church life. Um, so the unity of life, of all life, nay, of all being, of the seen and unseen, and specifically the fellowship of man with men and of men with God. The epistle of the Ephesians is the fewest word, in, in, in the fewest words, commends the aspect of creation to us, and it is of important significance. And that's what theologian Brooke Rescott states about it. Now, Ephesus was a huge city. It had many pagan roots. It was not only an economic power, but it was home to the temple of the goddess Diana. Part of the worship of this goddess, there were prostitutes for the goddess on the streets. The people could experience the goddess on a more intimate level by engaging in sexual acts with prostitutes. So here St. Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus by telling them where they came from, how they were saved, how to live, 
at how to live with each other. And so this literary context that in which Paul writes is much different than other letters that he wrote. So in most of Pauline letters, Paul addresses his audience specifically. But this designation is omitted in Ephesians. Paul also refers to the church as specifically as a specific congregation. And so this what we're reading today, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33, goes into this overall teaching that St. Paul is trying to do. Now, Paul tells the women in verse 22 to be submissive to their husbands. Now, when, when taken alone, this passage is very controversial. Just put that one verse on Twitter or Facebook and watch the fireworks go. Take it in context, it's a beautiful imagery of mutual love between spouses. So to illustrate that, let's go back one verse, to verse 21, which says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So one needs to look no further to see that Paul is not teaching for men to be dominating over their spouse, but quite the opposite. They are to love their wives as they love themselves. Now, this context we can also see further on into the book of Ephesians, in uh, chapter 6, verse 1, where Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Paul is talking about everyone's role within the Christian household and how it will help maintain unity and cohesion in a city with so much immorality. I've already read the passage we're talking about at the top of the show, so I'm not going to do it again. But if you want to read it on your own, again, it's Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. So when it comes to the Christian household, wives are addressed first. Some translations of scripture tell the wives to submit, but the Greek word used here means something different. The word used by Paul in the Greek is topotasso, which means to order oneself under. Now, though it is true that the word can mean obey, but to get the precise meaning, we have to read the passage in context, right? Context is king. So again, verse 21 is one of mutual submission. So it makes little sense to tell someone to obey someone else immediately after talking about mutual submission. Okay, so in this case, a wife's submission is not coerced. It's not forced. It's a free and voluntary act. Now, this is further illustrated when we get to verse 33. Again, verse 33 says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So in this verse, we see the word respect. In the Greek, Paul wrote the word phobitai, which means fear. Now, this is not a fear like being bitten by a shark or anything like that, okay? This fear is a reverence for God. That's all it is, a reverence for God. Paul writes this um, to not put women down, but to lift up the community. It's a lesson in Christian unity. Paul knows that man and woman are equal 
And he even says so in Galatians 3.28. In that passage, this is what St. Paul writes. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in verses 23 through 24, Paul compares the husband to Christ, who's the head of the church. Now, in this regard, the husband is the head of the family. And therefore, Paul says that the wife, though equal, should respect her husband. The authority that Christ has comes from his love for the church and his sacrifice for it. Therefore, the authority that the husband has comes from his sacrificial love for his wife. If anything, the husband is held to a much higher standard in family life. Now, this is best illustrated in verse 25, which says, Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, if the husband is to love as Christ loved the church, then there is nothing that a husband would not do for his wife. A husband would be willing to suffer, deny himself, and do everything possible to love and provide for his spouse. This parallel restores the balance. If it should be seen hard for the wife in subjection, it's a spirit of love, Christ-like love, on the part of the husband that makes that respect easy. So Paul was writing to the Ephesians and the husbands of the time because they reigned like tyrants over their wives. They now have a much bigger responsibility, and that is to build up his own marriage and his family. So when we put this into context, it shows a loving and nurturing relationship where the husband puts the needs of the spouse before his own. Paul puts it very eloquently when he writes, even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Verse 28 plainly says that a husband should love his wife as himself. Verse 31 emphasizes this unity of the two by saying, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now here St. Paul goes back to the beginning of Scripture and directly quotes Genesis 2.24 and again emphasizes that the husband and wife relationship is like the relationship between Christ and his church. Here the Septuagint translation of Genesis 2.24 contains a Greek word called aftitutu, which means for this cause. Now, it is the unique relationship between a husband and a wife that a man leaves his father and mother and leaves his wife. The man does not abandon his father and mother, but leaves to fulfill a higher purpose of God's plan. So in a similar way, Jesus left his father in heaven and came to be with his bride, the church. Okay, that's very powerful. Because Paul's theology, that universal truth is because of the one of the one flesh union between husband and wife points beyond itself to the union of Christ and his church. 
Now, through the course of these passages, Paul has been writing about the roles of husbands and wives, and he relates it back to Christ and the church. Now, in verse 32, Paul pauses and writes, and he writes this. This is a great mystery, and I mean in reference to Christ and the church. The relationship between spouses and Christ and the church are similar to the foundations of the world. Marriage on earth is representative of the divine union between Christ and his church. That is the mystery that Paul refers to. In regards to the church, Paul previously said that he loved her, or agapo in Greek, and gave himself for her. At that moment, Christ is fulfilling his role as the divine bridegroom and the new Adam who joined his wife to become one flesh. Of the mystery that Paul refers to in this hidden meeting in Genesis um, can be interpreted in a typological fashion when the new covenant is established. In this typology, Adam and Eve are joined as one flesh from the side of Adam, and the church is joined to Christ through his side that was speared at the crucifixion. It's an eye-opening passage that really paints marriage in a new light and underscores its role in salvation history. So at one level, Paul's teaching on marriage is grounded in the Old Testament, while at another, the church's marriage to Christ is prefigured in Adam and Eve. So how does this apply to us today, though? Well, just like it was affable back then, it is applicable today. Just as in Paul's time, there are some wives who are being taken advantage of. In some cases, and I've mentioned this at the top of the show, verse 22 is taken out of context for justification of it. Just like the early church and the church of today, we need to see everything in context. Husbands are not to be tyrants and are not to be treating their wives badly. In verse 28, Paul says that he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, using that logic, if a man loves himself, he would love his wife just as much, if not more so. Now, verse 22 is also taken out of context by some feminist groups that say Christianity oppresses women. Now, a further reading into the passage will prove that that theory is false. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 states the equality that men and women have because the two become one. How can one flesh oppress half of itself? The church, don't get me wrong, the church has made mistakes in the past. And to be honest, it's made of people the church will continue to make mistakes for. And we need to pray for that. We need to be praying for the church. We need to be praying for the Pope. We need to be praying for the bishops. We need to pray for our priests. We need to pray for everyone because there's a human factor in the church. And it is not because God wants it to mean women. Now, lastly, is the recognition as the church as the bride of Christ. Everything we could apply from this passage hangs on that. Wives submit to their husbands out of reverence for Christ, and husbands love their wives 
the same way that Christ loves the church. Now, this also means as a husband that we are to forgive and put ourselves second for the good of the spouse. Okay? Through our profession of faith, whether we say the Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, we pray every day, whatever the case is, we're part of his body. We're now part of, we're not part of the bride. We're part of the church. We are to submit to him. And therefore, verse 22 comes full circle. All right? Now, this passage of Scripture has a lot of content that can be easily glossed over. So if we read superficially, superficially, my apologies, we may miss the typology within Genesis and that the great mystery spoken of is the union between Christ and the church. In fact, that union is something that we hear about often. And we tend to think of it as this nice little metaphor. But when we exegete or when we interpret a passage properly, it brings so much more meaning than we could ever fathom. All right. So Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 is also an ever-present reminder of marriage functionality, the love, respect, uh, physical and spiritual union between spouses. So as Christ loves the church, so husbands should love their wives. As wives love Christ, so they should respect their husbands. You see here, my friends, Christ is the center of it all. And both spouses must always remember that. So, my friends, I hope this has been beneficial in maybe helping you understand um, this, this passage a little more deeper. Because over the last few days, I have seen um, Ephesians 5.22, the whole verse talking about wives submitting to their husbands. I have seen that taken out of context. I have seen that as a justification of why Christianity is anti-women. I've seen that as justification as why some say that Catholicism is against women. And my friends, it's not the case at all. I mean, seriously. If Catholicism was anti-woman, why would we have the Marian dogmas? Why would we call Mary the Queen of Heaven? I mean, etc. Everything has to be done in its context. And so I really hope that this helps clarify some of this stuff. Now, I, I want to move on to something. Um, I've been debating whether to discuss this or not, and I know other parts of the four persons have, have discussed this. The Richard Pettis has done this recently. And it's about this this gentleman, uh, Donald Hartley. And I, I've decided I've decided to address this because he keeps bringing me up. And I don't understand why. So I came across a blotter. I, I get I get emails from Google whenever my name is mentioned in articles and all that because it helps me keep track of my, my writing, my blogs, and everything else. And so I get an email saying that Donald Hartley wrote about me in a blog article. And it wasn't anything, anything crazy or bad, but it's this ongoing beef that he has with those of us that have left deeper truth Catholics. And we left. Because, and I'm just going to say it, they were teaching some 
things that were not Catholic. They were teaching uh, Marian apparitions that were not approved by the church as being fact and that everyone should adhere to them. And so there, there's several of us to left, and I'm not going to name names because I'm just going to talk about me. He mentioned that I used to be part of Deeper Truth, and I absolutely was. John Banco, the founder of the Four Persons, contacted me a couple of years ago to do a show on Wednesday nights on Deeper Truth Network. And I did for several months, and I was honored to do so. Those shows are still available. I'm honored to be here on the Four Persons because I believe in what John is doing. But Donald Hartley is calling us, doing the show, his henchmen. We are not henchmen. We are following the Lord Jesus Christ. We are talking about Jesus. We're talking about his church. And that's all we're going to do. Why did I leave here for truth? Because things that were not Catholic started being taught as fact. Things that were not church approved were being taught as fact. And when we brought that up, we were kind of rallied against. So, cut ties. That's all there is to it. But Donald Harley wants to continue to harass us. There was one day I get 30 messages on Facebook Messenger saying how he wants me to do a show on deeper truth and how so-and-so is wrong, so-and-so is wrong, so-and-so is this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've moved on. He keeps writing about it. Now, this is the only time I'm going to say anything. And, Don, I know you're listening. I have an open invitation for you. If you ever want to come on the Burnt, Shoot, the Burnt Toast and Coffee Show and you want to discuss, come on. Just let me know. I've unblocked you on the email. I've unblocked you on the messenger so you can respond. Okay? Anyway, my friends, that's the only time I'm going to say anything about this issue because it's really it's childish and Donald Hartley is really childish for just keep doing it. Um, anyway, stay tuned next to the Burnt Toasty Coffee Show where we talk to my friend Tony Agnesi about his new book. And I'm working on a new book that should be finished by next week um, about the errors of the prosperity gospel. Now, my friends, Thanksgiving is coming up. Give thanks. There's always something to give thanks for, no matter how bad life may be. No matter what bad things are happening, there's always something that we can be thankful for. All right. God bless you. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. And God bless you all.